Samuel Goldwyn Company presents Snescapades. No, no, not, not really, not actually. But, uh, but this is Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library with few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, and we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. We are in the April now, in April 1993. We got three games here. We kind of felt like, all right, we got some things based on stuff that we both really like. Maybe this is good. Maybe this is going to really turn 1993 around. And no, no, much like a top-down 2D racing game that only goes up um there is no other direction to go you, you we're not going back yet not there's we we, we, we have we cannot write this ship yet no absolutely not we are gonna stay the course follow the arrows and that is it so yeah so today we've got american gladiators batman returns in battle grand prix none of these are really amazing I would say one of these is considerably worse than the others, but... Uh, I would agree with that, yes. Uh, this is our first uh, batch of games for the month of April 93, and I can't say it's off to a great start, but, you know, I, I think we've got a lot of games to go, and I think this month is going to turn around. I sure hope so. So, uh, I don't know what order we wanted to go in today. I am sort of tempted to say, let's just get... Battle Grand Prix out of the way because I've got so little to say about it and there's so little to that game that I I think we can knock that out in like two minutes. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Battle Grand Prix. So do you want to give us a, a little bit of uh, a profile of, of who made this game before we get into talking about it. So this one was developed by KidCore, who uh, I believe we talked about back when we covered Super Bowling. This is uh, one of two Super Nintendo games that they developed. They were established in 1988 in Tokyo. Their early work mostly came out on the NES and Game Boy with a few uh, TurboGrafx-16 games. In the mid to late 90s, the developer shifted focus to making mostly Bishoujo games. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. And uh, those came out mostly for the PlayStation and Saturn. A few titles that uh, jumped out to me when I was looking over their gameography were Pizzicato Polka, My Merry May, and Milky Season. Ooh. Okay. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard of any of those, uh, but those are those are some evocative names, I've got to say. Yes, yeah. Uh, they also developed and self-published the interactive soft drink commercial Pepsi Man in 1999. Hey, how about that? I, you know, the Pepsi Man game is, mm, it's not a great game, but it, it sure is memorable. Uh, less good intentions than, say, Captain Novalin, but a lot more fun. Yep, absolutely. Pepsi Man is winning the fight <laughs> for... <laughs> For the for the diabetes camp for the pro diabetes. Yeah, it's he's pro, yeah the, he is he is like the spokesman right. for diabetes instead of against oh, it. Yeah, folks, soda is so bad. It's so bad for us. Yeah, did I tell you I've I found these great things at a like a rummage sale one time or like a flea market or something? But they're these uh, novelty bottle caps that have Pepsi Man like figures of Pepsi Man on top of them. Oh wow, they're great too. One of them is him being like menaced by bats and another is him being like bridal carried by like a mummy 
Like, I don't know what the deal is there. I guess they're all Halloween things, but they're really good. That is amazing. Um, yeah. So in case anyone's not familiar, Pepsi Man is sort of the, the Pepsi mascot in Japan. Yeah. Or he was for like a while in the 90s. Uh, and yeah, he actually surprisingly decent presence in video games. He's a secret character in a Sega Saturn, uh, Sega developed fighting game. <laughs> and he's got his own game on the PS1 that was apparently made by the, the same people that made the game we're talking about today. He's great. He's like a superhero with like a completely featureless head, just like a silver orb that has like a mouth that appears on it and goes like, ooh, when he's like, manifesting pepsi to give to people oh i didn't even know about that part that sounds horrible actually that sounds horrifying it is yeah it is quite quite horrifying yeah well um anyway <laughs> i don't know how to transition from that <laughs> uh, that's okay there's not really a way talking about pepsi man's mouth is sort of the ultimate dead end honestly <laughs> Grand Prix, and this game was published by Hudson, a company with a very long relationship with Nintendo. They were the first third-party developer and publisher for Nintendo's Famicom. Uh, their first two Famicom games came out in 1984, a year before the system would hit the U.S. as the NES. And uh, those games were apparently a port of Broderbund's Load Runner and their own game, Nuts and milk. Oh, yeah. Nuts and milk. Good old nuts and milk. Speaking of a uh, milky season. It's a very milky season up in here, clearly. They published a lot of popular games on the system, like the Adventure Island series, uh, Mylon's Secret Castle, a lot of other stuff. Uh, they were also one of the few companies Nintendo allowed to make games with their own properties and one of the even fewer companies allowed to do that for other systems. Uh, Hudson released several Nintendo-based oddities for systems like the PC-88 computer architecture in Japan. Games like Mario Brothers Special and Punchball Mario were new takes on the original Mario Brothers arcade game. And perhaps most infamous was the Super Mario Brothers Special, a strange and very graphically limited take on Super Mario Brothers for the PC-88. That is a terrible game. Like, Hudson has made a lot of really good games, but that that is is one of probably one of the worst things you can play not just because it's a bad mario game but because it's just weird and awful yeah imagine a mario game in which the screen didn't scroll and so when you got to the edge of a screen you had to wait a second for the next screen to load and then it would just pop in yeah so despite their close relationship to nintendo they would be a frequent contributor to the nec's pc engine uh, what we would call the TurboGrafx-16 here in the U.S. as well. Uh, sadly, Hudson exists only as a brand these days. Uh, Konami began buying up Hudson stock in 2005, and by 2011 had complete control over the company. And at that time, they shut down Hudson's USA division, which is uh, really the, the company that published this game here, uh, as well as games like Mylon's Secret Castle, and also uh, Bill Lane Beer's Combat Basketball. So, you know, you... Take the good and the bad with that. Also, we'll talk about them a little bit more when we get to uh, Hagane, the final conflict. So let's talk a little bit about Battle Grand Prix. This is a racing game. I guess it's it's intended to be like a real world racing game. It is uh, top down looking at essentially nothing but the track from overhead. Basically, the, the way in which you 
you kind of navigate the courses in this game because you can't see more than like the area that's right around your car essentially is uh arrows will pop up at the top of the screen uh directing you on what the next direction you need to turn is so uh you just kind of have to keep up with that and uh you know this is a thing there are other games that use that mechanic but i feel like they're also doing more than this game is because this is a this is an extremely basic looking and feeling game. Yeah, this one is pretty poor. I, I'm I'm not sure. I can't remember. Have we played another racing game where it was just the same kind of perspective where you're always traveling up or up and slightly to the left and up and slightly to the right or whatever? And, and you never seem to actually loop around the track, even though you are on a track that is supposedly a, a closed circuit. <laughs> I, I don't think we have. It's a, it's a thing that certainly exists. Like, there are a lot of games like this. But, yeah, this is not a style that's been represented much on the Super Nintendo. And it feels kind of like an older style of racing game, really. Like, it feels like something more like what you would see on uh, a system that didn't have as many graphical bells and whistles to work with. Like the, the NES or, or the Sega Master System or something. Once you're out of the title screen where you see... Uh... You know, a picture of a... I, guess, I think this is your, these are Formula One cars, right? I believe these are Formula One cars. It's honestly kind of hard to tell what they're supposed to be because the the graphics for the cars themselves are so basic. I mean, we're talking about, like, something that looks much lower detail than, like, a Micro Machines game or something. Yes, exactly. And, and I, I was actually going to mention Micro Machines on the NES because, like, this does look like an NES game once you're actually playing it. Um, once you're done with the title screens and everything, it just... Yeah, this looks like it would have worked on the NES. So, like, one of the things that's sort of odd and a little frustrating about this game is there actually are a lot of options. There's a lot of different courses. There's multiple different modes you can play in. You know, there's there's quite a bit going on in terms of the options it gives you, but none of them really seem to matter because all the courses functionally look identical, and there's so little to actually playing the game that I don't really think it matters what context you're playing it in. You're always going to be doing exactly the same thing and it's always going to feel exactly the same, basically. Yeah, I would say the one thing this game has going for it is also, like, another flaw as well, is the sense of speed. Like, I do feel like this is a car that's going very, very fast, but that also just means I've got way less time to react to things. Sure, they give me the arrows, so I've got some idea of which way I need to go, but sometimes, like, I'll be turning in one direction while the arrow is telling me to go in another, like, because that's coming up next. And I'm like, okay, but wait, when does the track straighten? You know, does it does it straighten before I need to start making this other turn? I don't have enough information to race efficiently in this game without playing the track several times and just trying to memorize it. You know, again, going back to the Micro Machines thing, it's got a similar perspective, but I felt like either the game was just kind of slower, so I had more time to react to everything, or I just felt like I had more of the track in my field of view as I was playing it. I'm not sure which is the case or maybe a combination of both of those things, you know, but that game looked better and I just felt like I had more control over the car than I did here. You know, I will say this game has a good soundtrack. I like the music in this game a lot and the music is the one thing that perceptibly changes from stage to stage. You're in Shanghai, you're in Germany, you're in the US. None of these courses look at all different, but they do at least have different 
songs that go with them and the music is really good it's very kind of peppy it feels like it's sort of between somewhere between mario kart and f-zero in in sort of the 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 kind of music it is and uh i like that i just wish that literally anything else in the game was anywhere near as as good as that a, a game with this sort of perspective where you're driving and you're always oriented as if you're driving towards the top of the screen it also reminds me of spy hunter but that game wasn't a racing game no that was an action game that happened to be you in a car i don't know what to really say about this one other than that i gave it as much time as i felt like i could but i didn't really find anything new to say about it after running a few different races you can play this two player that's something but also i'm not sure it would get much more fun in 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 that case either you know, with two of you there, you'd be more likely to have one of you just say, let's just turn this off and do anything else that's more fun than this. So kind of a miss here, really. Uh, but I guess let's, uh, unless you, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? Or do you want to go to the list and see if we can find a place for it there? I think we ought to go to the list. All right. So uh, what are you thinking? Where are you? Where are you? Do you have a, a ballpark for where you want to start looking? I don't know, there's a part of me that wants to put it down with like, the road riots and the RPM racings. Where did we put F1 ROC Race of Champions? Because I feel like for as as much as I don't like much of anything about this game, it's not really busted in the same way that the two you just mentioned were. Okay. So I would say I would be interested in kind of starting at F1 ROC and probably just going down from there because I yeah. I think that game is certainly better than this, but I don't know that I'd say this is all the way down to like the absolute bottom of the barrel dregs of the list. ROC is at number 107, but I, I think we're going to go down quite a ways. I've got one, actually. It's a lot further down, but uh, what do you think about Shanghai 2 Dragon's Eye? Hmm. Okay, this is interesting. I think this is actually a pretty good spot, because I'm not sure I would put this below Word Triss. Okay, yeah, I think Word Triss is just such a basic game all around, you know, even more than this. And it also has the issue where it's it's based on you needing to rely on it recognize on WordTrist recognizing the words you're you're putting in and its dictionary is not very expansive. So, you know, I think that on a fundamental level it's just like a less functional game than this. Mm-hmm. So okay, I'd be good with putting this uh between Shanghai 2 Dragon's Eye and WordTrist, if you feel like that. I'm just trying to decide if I think it should go above or below Shanghai 2. I definitely would not put it above Bart's Nightmare. No, me either. Me either. You know, I mean, Shanghai 2, at least you could play that for a little while, where I, I think with this game, most people are just going to get frustrated almost immediately and be like, you just want to put something else in. At least with Shanghai 2, you can just kind of fiddle around with it and, and sort of figure it out. Yeah, maybe this is our new number 131? Sounds good to me. Gra Battle Grand Prix, right? That's correct. God, the name is so generic, I could not for the life of me remember what it was. I know. Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. All right, so congratulations, Battle Grand Prix. You are our new number 131. Well, all right, I guess we'll move on. And uh, what... What should we talk about next? Should we save Batman for last? Yeah, that's probably the one I have the most positive things to say about here. So let's save that one for last. 
Uh, and let's move on instead to American Gladiators. So I've been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, I get to talk about American Gladiators. So American Gladiators, in case you were not familiar with the show, this was an athletic competition game show that ran from 1989 to 1996. Uh, it, it pits its contestants, whom are called contenders, against a team of bodybuilders, men and women, who went by various monikers. The original lineup consisted of Zap. Nitro, Lace, Gemini, Sunny, and Malibu. The contenders would be tasked with trying to beat the gladiators in a wide array of athletic events, from the energetic Nerf gun battle game assault to the iconic jousting competition and so on. Uh, defeating the gladiators in certain ways would earn the contenders points, and each episode would end with an event called the Eliminator, where the gladiators would mostly take a back seat while the contenders competed more or less against each other. Completing the course before your opponent would net you a certain amount of points based on how much longer your opponent took to complete it. Though in later seasons, uh, to make the course more exciting, the contender in the lead would get a half-second head start for each point they were ahead, meaning whoever crossed the finish line first was the winner. Uh, throughout the show's run, the team of gladiators would rotate in and out, with some retiring and others taking a leave of absence to recover from injury, or in Zap's case, to have a baby, and would be replaced by new faces in later seasons. Some of the gladiators came from the world of sports, others would go on to have middling acting careers. Uh, the show saw a few spin-offs, an international version featuring gladiators and contenders from around the world, including athletes from other countries' versions of the Gladiators, a kid's show called G2000, hosted by Ryan Seacrest. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And a revival in 2008, which lasted two seasons. So, yeah, it, it was a really weird, interesting thing. I've even heard rumors that they might be trying to do a second revival of this thing. I mean, it's it feels like American Gladiators is, is a concept that you could still do today. I mean, effectively, it's not that different from something like Ninja Warrior. Like, Ninja Warrior is basically, what if you took the Eliminator from American Gladiators and just sort of blew it out into its own whole thing? I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a number of things that would maybe stand in the way. Like, one of the problems that the show had as it started going on was that uh, they started cutting down on performance enhancers and things like that and, and having, yeah. you know, the, the gladiators get tested. And around that time, you also saw a lot of those guys dropping weights or just leaving the show completely. At the end of the day, the gladiators are just bodybuilders. They have to look bigger than everybody else, but that doesn't necessarily translate to physical prowess necessarily. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's true. That's sort of indicated with some of the things that they did on the show. Like they would have the the NFL showdown where they would have NFL stars from like five years ago competing against the Gladiators because if they had an actual current NFL player on the show, they would probably hurt these people. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah. The Gladiators would probably get pretty badly injured, as, as they sometimes did. And that's the other thing is that, you know, some sometimes – like contenders or gladiators would get pretty badly hurt. Like uh, I remember 
uh, a gladiator named Turbo uh, suffering a pretty serious leg injury on the show. Oh, God. Yeah, like, uh, like, like, honestly, kind of surprised they aired it uh, sort of thing. And he was out for the rest of the season. You know, it's like, how, how do you do the thing where it's like, hey, they're these really big guys, wrestler or bodybuilder sized, but they also have to be like legitimately more physically competent than the average Joe who comes in there, who might be like a really good athlete. Right. Well, and I think that's kind of part of the issue here. Conceptually, American Gladiators is kind of wrestling adjacent, you know, but like the thing with wrestling is that those people are amazing athletes, but they're also participating in like an athletic showcase, essentially, that that has like a real element of like fantasy and scripting to it. You never have to like kind of bring that up against reality and have a situation where where they're just flat out competing based on like athletic skill. Uh, which would kind of break some of the illusion. And with this, you know, they kind of did have to tread tread a line where you had to see these the gladiators as, like, kind of superheroes. But also, you know, they were sincerely matched up against, you know, people that, that were, you know, just, just coming in that, that were of a variety of levels of already elevated athletic skill. They got to find ways to make it safe. Like for one thing, uh, probably don't do the human cannonball. I think they actually had to stop doing that one. Famously, uh, Malibu got injured briefly while doing that and had to be replaced by a guy who also got knocked off the pedestal in the human cannonball and then was never seen again. So, Oh boy, that's rough. Uh, the Human Cannibal is in this video game, though, uh, because this game is very much based on the initial version of the show. Well, not the initial initial. Or the initial version of the show was real weird. It had like a faux Roman Colosseum thing going on. Oh, OK. Fair enough. I'm not familiar with that, I guess. This is American Gladiators to me. They, they only did that weird thing for like half a season before they kind of transitioned into this more modern grid based aesthetic original American Gladiators didn't even have referees. They had, uh, like, a dude in an executioner's hood. Oh, boy. They were really playing up the cheesiness of it before they were like, like, they toned down the cheese factor a bit, and I think the show was much better for it. But, yeah, all of the, kind of, the original events are are sort of represented here, or a lot of the most famous ones, at least. information about the people who, who made this video game as well uh you know not a whole lot uh this one was made by game tech who we talked about back in our wheel of fortune episode uh they're the same guys who you know basically did a lot of the game show stuff particularly the wheel of fortune and jeopardy games so yeah you know not not uh completely outside of the their wheelhouse with this one but it is a shame that they couldn't maybe find have found a, a better way to translate these strange esoteric events into better game mechanics yeah uh that is a pity do you want to talk about the game or do you have more background on the show that you'd like to bring in before we we get into that i would so much rather just talk about the show for an hour than have to talk <laughs> about this game but we should probably get into it so let's talk about the game uh this is i'm just gonna say up front a very slight game uh essentially this does have, uh, you know, a couple of different modes. It has sort of a single player mode, basically, and then a tournament mode in which 
more or less everyone just compete everyone just completes the single player game in sequence and depending on how many points you get you get matched up against you either move up a ladder or you you don't so one downside to this game that i think sort of limits its replayability is that the events are set and in the same order every single time so there's not gonna be any variety even in like which event you're going to play at which time this game has sort of a, a classic spread of american gladiators events there's Assault, Human Cannonball, Joust, uh, The Wall. Uh, there's, there's uh, of course, it finishes with The Eliminator. Uh, Atlasphere is in this game. And these are all presented in a way where, you know, I don't really think there's much presence for the gladiators themselves in this game. Yeah, outside of like the, the main intro screen where you can kind of cycle through bios of the gladiators, you don't get a sense of which gladiator you're actually up against. Uh, if you leave the screen idle on the uh, score screen between rounds, it'll tell you which gladiator you're going up against in the next round. But you never see them or anything. Um, one cool thing is that you can play as either a, a man or a woman. You can play against the male gladiators or the female gladiators. It changes a few sprites. I don't think much else about the game changes. You were saying there might be a slightly slight difference in like how hard atmosphere is to control, which would actually be kind of cool if that's the case, because that would be sort of representative of, of some issues that happened with the the show itself but that may also be giving this game a little bit too much credit this is essentially a mini game collection that does not tell you how to play any of the mini games yeah and some of the games are kind of simple to figure out um, assault more or less works kind of how you would assume it would although mm -hmm. i had trouble picking up the weapons did you have a trouble yes i did have trouble picking up the weapons the assault course is uh, maybe like one of my favorite events in american gladiators where contenders have to run from station to station firing at a target with a different nerf weapon <laughs> um uh -huh. one that's at each station while the gladiators are firing a tennis ball cannon at them my brother and i actually had fun with this as kids we we made our own assault course out in the backyard with actual nerf weapons <laughs> i mean assault feels like one of the games that you could you could do that with which i think was very appealing to a lot of kids so yes probably but here it's uh not quite as fun you basically um switch between views where you're either top down you're a little avatar running across the the playing field going from station to station and then once you're at the station you zoom in to see your character and you can kind of position yourself in such a way that you're behind the the barricade so that you can't be hit but you also have to you know kind of time it so that you move out of the way to grab the weapon and fire it without the gladiator hitting you it's kind of neat but i i think they could have done a better job with this and again like the controls for actually grabbing the weapon feel real wonky. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and so all of these, basically every event in this uses slightly different controls, even if they're similar in some ways, like the Powerball event, where you have to pick balls up from a, a station and put them in various, you know, targets. Uh, you know, you have to kind of run them to various targets while gladiators are trying to stop you. That has pretty much the same overhead, you know, top-down thing as the Assault game has. But uh, even within those, it's not... The controls never really feel good or stabilized enough to be able to just go into the game and figure out what you're supposed to do immediately. 
probably the worst one of these for me at least was human cannonball which literally just drops you in and presents you with a meter that you have to stop somewhere and it doesn't it's not clear how uh, like what the the win condition for that would be and it doesn't give you any time to like get ready and try to sort of read the screen. It's just like, here you go. It's like a WarioWare minigame, except instead of saying press A, it just drops you in and then doesn't give you any points unless you, you somehow manage to do the right thing instantly. Yeah, it's like a WarioWare game where it's just like, I don't know, you figure it out. You got five seconds. There's basically two meters, one that controls, I guess, how fast you're going to go and one that controls the angle that you're going at. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, really, like when it comes to human cannonball, the speed you want to be going at is fast and the direction you want to be going in is straight. Like That's pretty much it because um, you're just swinging on a rope and colliding with the gladiator who's uh, got a blocking pad to protect himself or herself and not much else. <laughs> Uh, you know, you can kind of just from that description, you probably understand why they quit playing this one. But <laughs> yeah, it's not like a golf meter in a lot of these golf games where it'll sort of fill up and, and empty out, you know, over and over again until you um, hit the button. It just fills up. And if you didn't hit the button, well, that's it. Then the meter's full and that's how you're going to go. So, yeah, um, it's it's a game that takes all of three seconds to actually input the you know, what you have to do, and then another eight to watch the results, and that's it. I don't even know why they bothered putting this one in here other than just to pad out the game. I don't know. It's kind of got a nice graphical effect, so I guess that maybe it, it looked good for screenshots on the box or something. Yeah, it's got that kind of Mode 7-ish kind of thing going on there, yeah. Because it's kind of a first-person perspective where all you can see is your legs when you're swinging. So, kind of cool, but nothing much to it. It's really hard to say whether it's fun or unfun, because there's nothing there for to, to make that judgment about. Atlasphere, I thought, was fine. You know, it's a little bit hard to control, but that's, I, that's very much on purpose, because those things were hard to move. Um you know, that one seemed all right. Powerball was... Powerball was not fine. Powerball, that might just be maybe a problem with the game. It, it looks pretty exciting to, to actually watch people play, but it's also very basic. It's just grab the ball and put it in one of the scoring pods and try not to let a gladiator tackle you. It's it's basically like one-on-one-on-three on one on three rugby, essentially. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, and then we have the wall. The wall, which is real wonky controls on that one. And boy, those sprites look weird. Oh, they look so weird. They're actually, they, they've got a lot going on with their animation, but it's not good looking. Like they look kind of rubbery. Yeah. They kind of look like those like sticky men, you know, like the ones that you stick on walls and then they kind of ooze down it. Yeah. It looks like a sticky man falling up a wall. Yeah. Right. Right. It, it shouldn't look like that. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. But you also, you move by holding the direction you want to go in. And then, like, I think rapidly tapping two buttons. Yep. Yeah, it's it feels bad. But, like, you have a forced path that you have to take. So it's not even like, you know, oh, hey, maybe I'll take this path and this will be a little bit more difficult. But maybe the gladiator will have a harder time following me or anything like that. Like, it's just it's just do it. Tap the buttons as fast as you can and figure out which way the, the game wants you to tilt the D-pad to move around some of the corners. And that's it. 
Yeah, because the setup for this is essentially like you're going up a climbing wall with a very fixed path, and after a few seconds, uh, one of the gladiators starts following you up the wall, and you have to make it to the top before the gladiator gets to you and yoinks you off the wall, basically. Like, that's it. So, like, yeah, not giving you any options and just making it be like, well, you gotta do this fast or you'll lose is, like, the least fun thing they could have done with it. I mean, this is the thing. Like, this is a video game. Like, I appreciate them trying to make the game look and sound authentically like the show, but they also could have done more with some of these events to make them fun as actual things you do in a video game. Yeah. And there's just none of that here. Like, this feels professionally made in the sense that the graphics look good and it all looks on brand, but it feels very low effort in terms of like how they decided to translate any of these things into a game. Yeah, and I wonder if just, you know, having all these different events that you have to program different actions for and different sprites for, just maybe spread them too thin? I don't know. Joust was really disappointing. Oh, yeah, there's nothing to it. I mean, first of all, it's maybe like the most ubiquitous event from the show. Again, in case you're not familiar with the show, you've probably seen imagery like of two people on platforms hitting each other with giant Q-tips. That's American Gladiator's Joust in a nutshell right there. The objective of the game is to knock the Gladiator off their pedestal and not get knocked off yourself. First of all, nobody actually gets knocked off a pedestal in this. Like, if you win, you drain the gladiator's health bar like a fighting game, and they just kind of kneel down, and so does your character. Nobody actually gets knocked off, which it's like, that's that's how you you do this. Second of all, instead of just making this a more straightforward fighting game-like control scheme, the controls are such that, like, you... The the D-pad handles your movement, but it also handles your actions. If you hold down B button, now the D-pad determines which attack you're going to do. Like, hitting down while you're holding down the B button or whatever it is will cause you to jump. Holding the B button and pressing forward will cause you to do, like, a little jab. I don't know why they didn't just map attacks to the various face buttons. I don't know. That makes no sense to me. And also, like, none of that stuff is even particularly necessary. Like, I was able to win the joust by just 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 tapping the B button as quickly as possible, basically. Yeah, and not only that, you can actually just force a draw by just holding back and not doing anything every single time. Yeah, that's so boring. Like, why why do that with this event? Like, this should be the centerpiece event of this game, I feel like. Especially given how much you can do with it in terms of game mechanics. But that would have required more effort than they put into really any part of this game. Some events like Powerball and Atlasphere, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. What else would you have done with this, yeah? But with the Joust, like, uh, fighting games were all the rage right now. I'm, it, you know, it's it's really disappointing that they made this such a weird thing. It's the least American Gladiators like of all of the events that they've represented here. Like it, it just yeah doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of what that game actually was. No, uh, it does not. Um, and speaking of disappointments, the final event here is the Eliminator. And the Eliminator is, you know, visually it's well represented here. Like, you see the full Eliminator course as it appeared on the show, essentially. But 
all you have to do to complete this event is just tap the shoulder buttons rhythmically. Uh, and your person will run forward and do all of the actions, like, you know, the the zip line and, you know, dodging between the, the big swinging, uh, like, heavy bags and jumping jumping over the, the hurdles. Like, they just do all of it. Like, it's, you're essentially, you know, cranking, uh, <laughs> like, a penny arcade uh, film strip of of this sprite doing the eliminator <laughs> and it's pretty boring and like for for something that you know clearly did have some effort put into it in terms of making sure that it looked right i don't know you would think they would have done anything more with this here yeah i'm gonna guess you know that like they, they just didn't have the time probably to yeah really think through some innovative mechanics and ways of of translating these events to video game form and they just you know had to get it out the door probably so probably i mean this is very much like a video game as like a merchandise product for the show like there's you know and that's disappointing because i think that an american gladiators game could have been a lot more than that but really this is um you know what you see is what you get here well i don't know if i've got any more to say about this one do you uh it's a shame that the music in it isn't better Oh, yeah. They don't even have the iconic American Gladiators theme in MIDI form. I, I don't know if they just couldn't license it or what the deal was there, but that was also very disappointing when you boot this up and it does not sound like American Gladiators. Weird choice to not not go all the way with that one. I don't know. Let's Let's look at the list, I guess. Yeah, so... I've already got kind of an, an idea of where I think this one might go, because, you know, we've, we've talked about athletic-themed minigame compilations before on this show, and two of them kind of stick out in my mind. We've got NBA All-Star Challenge at number 121, and we've got California Games 2 at 127. Okay. I think it should go between those somewhere, because I don't think this is as good or, or as nice looking as NBA All-Star Challenge, but I don't think it's quite as miserable as California Games 2 was. I would probably agree with that. I think it should go closer to California Games 2 okay. than, than to NBA All-Star Challenge, but I think this is the right range for it. Well, let's see. If we go like more or less in the middle there, we've got Inendo Way of the Ninja, which is that Koei... The RPG. This one's kind of tough, because like, on the one hand, I kind of have to you know applaud Koei for making one of those games that's much more approachable to folks like us. <laughs> sure, yeah. But on the other hand, like... What a drab game, though. Yeah, and you know, and, and it is probably completely personal taste for me, because I do like the property it's based on so much, but... I think just booting up and playing a, a quick game of American Gladiators makes me a lot happier than the idea of booting up an Indo and, and trying to, you know, wrestle with that one. But I don't know. How do you how do you feel about it? Well, it's kind of tough because on the one hand, of course, there is a lot more of an Indo than there is of, of American Gladiators. Like, basically, American Gladiators doesn't even have, like, a high score ranking. <laughs> like, it's like once you complete it, it literally just flips you back to the title screen as if you've reset the game and that takes about 15 minutes you know unless you want to play that tournament mode you know get 16 of your friends together and play a tournament of american gladiators yeah so there's not much to it but also as far as rpgs on the super nintendo goes i mean nintendo is pretty much the last one i would recommend to anybody so it's much more poor showing for its genre than American Gladiators is as a minigame collection. So I guess we're kind of grading on a curve there. 
But I do, I, I mean, you know, at least American Gladiators looks nice. Like, at least it looks pretty good um, and pretty much like the thing it's supposed to. And Indo really just kind of looks like an NES game. Yeah, I mean, it does open with that cool, like, kind of kabuki style thing happening. But I don't think that persists throughout the game. I think once you're in the RPG, you're just, yeah, what you, you, you've you got what you got at that point. On the one hand, you know, yeah, you, you're pretty much done with American Gladiators after 15 minutes. But at least they're a pretty in some way, an engaging 15 minutes. I don't really know that I could say that I find much of anything engaging about an Indo. I would be okay with putting it above that. I think maybe that's as high as I would take it. Like, we've got Chester Cheetah, Too Cool to Fool at 124. Both this and American Gladiators are banking heavy on style. Yeah. But I think, like, gameplay-wise, I think Chester Cheetah's got a little bit more going on. Like, at least it has, like, some kind of creative level concepts, even if they don't all pan out. I think Chester Cheetah's a better game than this, probably. Let's be frank. The only reason you're playing either of these two games is because you are a child of the 90s like me and you just <laughs> you just want to consume that because everything's horrible and you just want to remember the good times. So <laughs> other than that, there's nothing redeeming about either of these. But I think, yeah, Chester Cheetah probably gets the edge there. So is this going to be our new 125? That sounds good to me. All right. All right, then. Congratulations, American Gladiators. You are slightly better than the other game that we just ragged on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What would your gladiator name be? Jeez. I don't know. The idea of me as an American gladiator is, is so funny that I, I'm (laughs) having a hard time even imagining the scenario. As as a kid, you never thought like, Oh, when when I'm an adult though, I'll be an American gladiator. No, I did not. No, that never occurred to me. I've got (laughs) nothing for this. What was yours? Oh, geez. I don't even remember. I think it might've been like, a uh, uh, powerhouse or something really cheesy like oh, that. Oh yeah. Okay. Honestly, like, what is a not cheesy American Gladiator name? I mean, yeah, they're all named things like laser and and napalm <laughs> and stuff. You know, uh, grunt, right? Thun, yeah. thud. I'll be thud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about Batman. Let's talk about Batman Returns. Uh, This is a game based on the Tim Burton movie Batman Returns, which came out almost a full year uh, before this game. Yeah. So this is is a licensed game that had some time in the oven. I don't know when Batman Returns came out on video, so maybe this was somehow lined up with that, but I suspect, given the length of time, it was probably already out on video by this point. Do you want to talk a little bit about who made this game? And we can talk a little bit about Batman Returns the movie and uh, talk about this game and how well it does at representing that. Yeah, so um, Konami made this game. Konami made this game. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, they developed and published it. Although I will say, what is interesting about Batman Returns is that this is one of those films that spawned a lot of different games by a lot of different people on a lot of different platforms. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's like a, a Konami-published DOS game, which was developed by uh, two very short-lived companies, uh, Subway Software and Spirit of Discovery. Oh, wow. Never heard of either of those. Yeah. Oh, that's because, like, their gameographies are... 
I think like I think Spirit of Discovery's gamography is like four games. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a Genesis version that was published by Sega itself. And developed by Sega itself internally, I think, right? Or Moby Games said it was developed by Malibu Interactive, which seemed weird because that's a different comic company. It looks more like first-party Sega to me than anything else. Like, it's a pretty nice-looking game with some decent-looking mechanics. Um, it's, you know, a, uh, a side-scrolling platformer, like a, a pretty pretty solidly just one of those. And it's different than this. I'm not sure I would say it looks like a better game, but it, yeah, it's a it's one of those things very much like the, the split between Genesis, Aladdin, and uh super nintendo aladdin where they are vastly different games um giant bomb also says it was developed by malibu so maybe okay you know what that's you know clearly clearly they were putting in some work then yeah that game is just a much more straightforward um action platformer kind of game Uh the one that we've got here on the super nintendo is a more of a brawler game with some action 2D side-scrolling platformer levels yeah. that feel kind of unnecessary, if I'm being frank. They do. So I want to talk a little bit about the movie before we get into the game, because I think it's relevant here. So Batman Returns was uh, obviously a very heavily anticipated movie. He has the 1989 Tim Burton Batman movie. The first one starring Michael Keaton was like this cultural phenomenon. I mean, it was huge in a way that is is almost hard to really really get across i think so they got tim burton to make another one he did not want to make another batman movie like they had to basically offer him entirely free creative control over the movie to get him to come back and he made a movie that did not necessarily align with what a lot of people expected a follow-up to 1989 Batman to be. It's a really dark, really bleak movie with really just a lot of, of grotesque stuff and black comedy in it. It's got a, a sequence where Danny DeVito bites a man's nose off. It's... I think a pretty a pretty cool movie. It's a movie that has really uh you know gotten a, a better and better reputation as time goes on and like you know those initial expectations fall away and people who are kind of more interested in what the movie's actually doing can can kind of take a look at it. It's you know one of those things where it's very clear that Tim Burton had a lot more sympathy for the villain characters than he did for for the the ostensible hero of the movie. It's, you know, kind of intentionally alienating and uncomfortable to watch, I think. Which, I think, uh, also poses some unique challenges for a, a, a tie-in video game for the Super Nintendo based on the movie. Because this game does try to stick to the aesthetic of that movie pretty strongly, and it's a difficult one to to translate into this type of game, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think they do a pretty good job visually of representing what that movie was. Um, but I, I think that it runs into some limitations too. like, you know, the, the innocent bystanders on the street. It's always the same woman sprite with the same two kids surrounding her, you know, um, the enemy sprites you're you're basically fighting the same group of enemies throughout the entire game yes you are uh and there's also not much to work with as far as really 
you know, wild, colorful characters to to pull out of those as bosses. So the bosses, there's there are, of course, fights with the movie's two villains, the Penguin and Catwoman. But all of the other stage bosses are just bigger, stronger clowns like the the Penguin, who's the main villain of that movie. He has a, a gang of of sort of nightmarish clowns as his henchmen. And they are really kind of the basis for all of the enemies you fight in this game. There's Thin Clown, there's there's Fire Breathing Clown, there's Tall Clown, all of these things. But it's really, it's just the same ones over and over again. And occasionally you get a more interesting kind of boss enemy like the Organ Grinder. But for the most part, there's not a ton to work with. The color palette for this is very muted. It's all set during winter time. So even though... You know, each level in this game has unique backgrounds and locations. They all look exceptionally similar. Yeah, kind of. Though, I mean, I I still like the look of it. I I like all the big statues and everything that they've got in the foregrounds and backgrounds. Um, you know, I think they do some neat stuff with it. Where I think this game starts falling short is in the mechanics. Like, it's a competent brawler. And I do like a few things about the, the brawling mechanics. I like that you just have unlimited batarangs that give you a, a an effective projectile to help keep the pressure off of you that don't just make the game too easy. Basically, anytime you hit an enemy with a projectile, you stun it, but you don't do any damage to it. Right. I think that's a pretty good balance. And, you know, that can be good for just kind of dealing with a crowd of enemies. You know, you're, you're already dealing with some guys. You've got another person coming towards you. It's like, you wait a second. I can't deal with you just yet. I like the way that that all kind of works together. Um, Batman's moveset, other than that, is a little bit limited. He has one attack that's sort of like a good for clearing a lot of enemies that are on top of you, but it also causes you to take damage, which is a mechanic I never like in these kinds of games. Like, I think Streets of Rage 4 managed to find a way to make that work, but I don't think any other brawler's ever really done it uh, in a way that makes me happy. Yeah. One move of Batman's I do like is that if you're near kind of the top of the screen, you can slam enemies into it and sort of damage the wall. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That's cool. And it feels very Batman. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this game's brawling mechanics revolve around picking up enemies and, you know, what you do with them while you've got, while you're holding them. Like if you, uh, have another enemy coming from behind you, you can grab one enemy and knock them together, which is kind of a good way of dealing with two enemies at once. It looks good. It feels good. Yeah, I like that stuff. There's just not a lot to it. I don't know. You can only fight the same six clowns so many times before it starts to feel a little bit. So there's, there's two other things that I think really keep this game from being like just one of the classic SNES brawlers. I think one of those things is the boss fights. I could not figure out like any effective way of defending myself against their attacks and those always just became wars of attrition. But I think the biggest problem this game has is its decision to mix things up with the platforming sections where you're just moving on a single plane left to right and throwing batarangs that are basically single hit kills at this point for most enemies. You also have a grappling hook, which I think is a little more useful and in one case actually necessary for traversing the the side scrolling levels. But it it uh it also feels kind of finicky to use and is not really uh, intuitive. Yeah, for as necessary as that grappling hook becomes, it's really hard to get it down and 
often I just found myself taking a lot of damage or dying in those sections because, you know, I just I couldn't get a handle on those controls. And again, it just feels unnecessary. Like the, the, the platforming sections just don't feel fun. No, and it, and they feel kind of weirdly hacked in as well. Like the enemies are still the same enemies doing the same attack behaviors, but uh, they're a lot harder to actually deal with in the in the platforming levels because they're uh, it feels like they're it's very easy for them to hit you, and also you don't really have to deal with them uh, because they're not you're not locked into encounters the way you are in the brawler levels so. Pretty much the easiest way to deal with the platforming levels is just to, like, jam your way through them. Just don't fight any enemies and just get to the end of them as quickly as possible. And that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like what they want you to do here. They just feel really not well thought out. Like, the whole thing with, like, Batman is limited to pretty much exclusively throwing batarangs in those sections feels very un-Batman-like. You know, and when I see a 2D Batman platformer, like the version of this game on the Genesis, you know, I, I just think, well, this looks a lot more fun. It looks like you've got more space to kind of utilize your tool set where it almost feels like an endless runner in a way. It kind of does. Yeah. Where you're just, you're just very much stuck to this one rail and you're just moving in one direction. And anytime there's, you know, like an elevation change, it's usually just like a scripted event. Like the, the floor falls in so that now, now you're, you're in a different part of this building that's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel very creative and it feels entirely unnecessary. I really wish that the developers had spent more time maybe refining the brawling mechanics and finding, you know, new ways of making that fun or different ways of making that fun rather than spending their energy on these, very superfluous uh, side-scrolling stages that just are not interesting. Yeah, there's also a driving level that comes up towards the end of this game that I did not get to because this is a fairly challenging game. Uh, But that also does not seem fun. It is seemingly, you know, a a lengthy thing where you're doing the same exact thing over and over until the level just ends, basically. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like I would have liked them to take a little bit more in the way of liberties with this game uh, in adapting Batman Returns to to come up with something a little more varied. But also, I just agree with you that the, the platforming stages are just considerably worse than the brawling ones. I would have liked to see them just go all in on the brawling stages and kind of make make those a little deeper and richer. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think they've almost got something pretty good here. It's a really nice-looking game, and it feels good to play, especially in the brawler levels. So, you know, there's a lot going for this game. It's got a surprising amount of, of cutscenes, like story sequences between levels that are very cinematic. They use some, uh, frankly, occasionally kind of goofy-looking digitized photos from the movie. <laughs> but they also use a lot of dialogue from the movie, like legitimately, like bits of dialogue from it are in this game, which is not a thing you always see with, you know, game adaptations of movies from, from this time period. Yeah, like that part where Danny DeVito's all like, I'm going to hit Batman with this rum ham. Yep, that's it. That's in this game. <laughs> I think they've got a mostly good game there that they mucked up with some stuff that I don't think works instead of, you know, polishing the stuff that was working. So, yeah, this makes this one kind of hard to find a place on the list to start from. I'm I'm kind of tempted to start from Final Fight because that's also like 
a a brawler that almost gets there, but you know is missing some things like two player co op and transitional stages and things like that. Um, if I had to pick one or the other, like. Honestly, going back to Super Nintendo Final Fight, it's kind of a pretty rough game, like, technically, in addition to just it not having, uh, you know, it it having stripped out the co-op play. So I think that maybe gives Batman Returns a bit of an edge, honestly, because Batman Returns is a a very solidly put-together thing all around. Uh, I just don't love what it's doing sometimes. For something that we were, we sounded pretty negative on, this thing's going to end up pretty high up on the list, isn't it? Because I, I don't think I would put it below Draken at number 58. I don't think so either. I think probably my ceiling for this is Sonic Blast Man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A similar game in some ways that I think is just way more fun and, and way better realized than Batman Returns. I wouldn't put it above Super Double Dragon either. Okay. I don't think I would put it above Super Double Dragon. Hit the Ice at 52, though, right below Super Double Dragon? That's another story. Yeah, okay. Because I'll be honest, like, we got Super Smash TV below that at 53, and I don't think I'd put it above that either. I I think maybe I would put it... I would be tempted to make this our new number 52, unless you've got a pretty strong feeling about it going below Hit the Ice. No, I I don't. Uh, I think that's actually a good place for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, frankly, it's a Konami brawler. Even a lesser one of those still has a lot to recommend it. All right. So there we go. Batman Returns, our new number 52. And uh, again, we sounded pretty down on that one. But, you know, it's um, top 100 game now. I think with that, we've got 170 games on this list. Wow. Go us. That's a that's a that's a a significant number closing in on that big 200. So what, what do we have next time coming up? Next time, we've got Brawl Brothers, which is a uh, kind of sequel to Rival Turf. Optimistic about that, actually, yeah. Yeah, uh, Cybernator, which had a big thing in a Nintendo Power issue we covered that had us pretty excited. And Fatal Fury, which is, um, this is another brawler, right? Yes, I believe so. Okay, this is not a fighting game. I believe it's spun off into fighting games later, but I think this one is a brawler. Yeah, I just couldn't remember if this was one of SNK's brawlers or one of their fighting games, but whichever it is, it's probably all right. It's probably okay, yeah. I I know we've said this a lot, folks. We've said this a lot to close out episodes recently, but I think next time things might kind of start turning around a little bit. I think so. Maybe, Maybe April's looking up. Maybe. Before we uh, close out, I did just want to say that we have been busy. I've been busy. I was just on an episode of The Weekly Cooldown, which is a video game news show hosted by Kami Jace. Uh, go check out The Weekly Cooldown. By the time this comes out, uh, that'll probably have been at least a week in the rearview mirror. But, you know, listen to that show anyway, because if you're interested in what's going on in games and stuff, uh, Kami Jace has got a pretty fun and entertaining show. We've got a few other little collabos that we're we're still kind of they're still kind of in the hopper. So we'll announce those as they as they happen. Yeah, I guess that's all I got. All right. Well, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you join us next time for the show. And uh, until then, uh, I am Emmy Zero. I'm Steampunk Link. And remember, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. <laughs> Play it loud. <laughs>